legalizing pot. That's stupid. What the authorities should do, criminalize pot use. Sell marijuana, you go to jail. America used to have standards of behavior in public, but today they're collapsing all around us. So I'm really excited for our podcast today, not only because it's a beautiful day out, but because we've got a really cool guest today, Justine. Yeah, for by the, sure. By the way, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for making time for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So again, uh, we've got a really awesome guest today. Um, Tim, I'm just going to have you introduce yourself. Um, welcome to welcome back to the show, Tim. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell us about yeah, no, you thank you. Uh, thank you for having me back here on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, my name is Tim Cash. Uh, I'm one of the uh, co-founders of Origo Labs, a compliance testing lab um, that does everything from testing just not only just the potency and terpenes level within a strain, but also the um, pesticides, residual solvents, heavy metals, um, mycotoxins, microbiological impurities, um, you know, all of that good stuff as well. Um, you know, we, we basically make sure that, you know, the, the stuff that is hitting the shelves is, is safe for consumption, but um, we're also helping, you know, make sure that um, the growers and, and the current cultivators are, are staying compliant. Awesome. So when you guys test the cannabis, what, what uh, device do you uh, test it out of? You know, do you use a bong? Do you use a joint? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I wish. I wish it was that easy. You know, we, we use a couple different uh, pieces of instrumentation, a couple pieces of uh, different equipment that we use, um, depending on what we're testing for. But just to give you kind of an example of, you know, what the process is when a sample comes into our, our lab, we essentially, we bring it in. We weigh it out, make sure that the weights correspond to, to what we were actually sample collected. We also um, take an image of the product and then we begin the, the sample prep and, and the sample extraction process. So, you know, the sample prep is, is we basically homogenize everything together for infused type of products or edible type of products. Um, we'll actually freeze them and then, you know, grind them up after that and turn it into more of a powder type of form. Um, and then we homogenize everything together. So mix it all up. And then basically start the sample extraction from there. And by then we basically, we, we revile it out and, and take that and, and run through basically each level or, or each test for our customers. So whether that's, you know, the, the gas chromatography instruments that we use for more volatile type of compounds like terpenes and, and residual solvents. We also use liquid chromatography. That's kind of our, our moneymaker or you know, our workhorse type of equipment that we use um, that does potency analysis as well as pesticides for us. We've got an ICPMS machine that, that does heavy metals. And then for microbials, we've got a QPCR, the same instrumentation that actually does COVID testing. So that can actually help us with genetic sex testing, strain sequencing, and, and rolling out some additional ancillary services um, on top of just microbial testing. But we also provide the traditional 3M type plating or plating type of uh, technique for uh, microbial testing as well. That's kind of the tried and true way. But we also have that QPCR, which is a little bit more accurate and a little bit more precise in identifying exactly, you know, whether there's, there's harmful, you know, contaminants or, or anything in your, your strains. 
I just have to say my, my sampling works a lot different. You know, when, when a sample <laughs> arrives in my lab, I gather the sample, I weigh it just like you make sure that it's weigh, weighs out to what it's supposed to weigh, you know? Um, but then we, sorry, I'm not going to keep going with this stupid joke. Um, so <laughs> I have like, you, have you, guys, you noticed, have you noticed any of that? Like if you actually get it from a dispensary, have you actually weighed it out? Cause I've never, never done yeah. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've had cases where it's a little bit over. I've had cases where it's, uh, it's under and it's a problem. And, uh, luckily I've always had good luck with reaching out to a cultivator. So you generally speaking folks, just for your information, there's usually like a feedback email or, um, line on some packaging and, um, you can contact them now. Look again, I say, I've had a good experience. I've heard of multiple people that have just not gotten a reply. So, and what was crazy about one of my experiences and people have had this too. So I had a problem with one of their, uh, products and they basically, um, said, yeah, you know, we'll give you a discount on your next purchase. And I was like, but that's not the, the problem is, is that I purchased this and there's a problem with this product. Right. And so you're asking me to make another purchase, <laughs> like to fix your problem. Like it, it's, you know, it's just, it was crazy. So, um, but yeah, anyways, you know, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've done that. And that actually brings me to, I don't mean to jump right to community questions, but one of the community questions is, um, have, have you ever tested anything, um, like, like, okay. So first of all, I want to say that you not only do small to medium sized enterprises in the can cannabis CBD and hemp industry, but you also offer, and we'll talk about this, um, testing for home growers in the state of Illinois, right? Uh, for medical patients that can home grow, uh, you can, you have offered the service of testing their products, right? Um, I wanted to ask the question, somebody asked this, are we allowed to send in product that we bought from the dispensary as a sort of audit? Does, you know what I'm, what I'm asking? Like to, to see if that label is indeed accurate. So, um, you know, we, we do, um, we do test for medical patient home growers, um, you know, getting the product from a dispensary, um, you know, the dispensary should be able to provide you with a certificate of analysis, um, at, at point of purchase, um, by law, each dispensary, um, is required to be able to provide you from a batch number perspective, the certificate of analysis for you to be able to, to look at if you, if you request it, um, and those, that's essentially what that test would, would mean for you. Um, you know, on the flip side of it, if you are growing from home um, and you have your own products that, that you're growing, um, we do offer, you know, testing services um, for those, those individuals as well. Awesome. Cool. Uh, hey, um, so uh, yeah, let's talk about the home, you know, home, what you guys offer for home growing. Let's get more, more into that and, and how that you know, works out. Um, because I think that's a really cool service that you offer the community. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Um, you know, it's been a, a, a channel that I'm probably the most passionate about. Um, those are the people that, you know, they care about the plant the most. I mean, they put in all of their time, money, resources, everything into, you know, their grow process for, for months, um, that they're putting their, their time and energy into something like this. And this and, is really quick. I don't mean to cut you off, but this is a good time to remind people where to find you online. I forgot to ask you that. No, absolutely. You can find us on our website, um, theorigolabs.com. 
um, as well as on Instagram um, at Origo Labs, um, and then on Facebook at the Origo Labs. So cool. sometimes there's a the in there, sometimes there's not. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the podcast description, folks. Either way, so you can figure out, you know, which, whichever you prefer, social media wise, or if you want to go to their website. I did not mean to cut off your flow, but I felt like since we're talking about something cool that maybe people are thinking about actually looking into while we talk about it, why don't we bring up where to find you online? So, anyways, tell us about what you do for home growers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was mentioning, I mean, they're they're definitely the group that I'm I'm the most passionate about because they're the ones that, you know, some some of these medical patients, they're growing these unique strains um, or these specific um, strains for these like um, specific type of benefits. So yeah. whatever they're they're looking for that they can't get at a dispensary, um, they're trying to recreate and, and do it in, in their home. And you know, what we've noticed is you know, sometimes there is a lot of educational, there's an educational gap um, in between a home grower and what, you know, some of these, these other growers are doing. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we just want to make sure that for the people that actually are using this as a medicine and just not recreationally, um, you know, their products are safe for consumption. And, you know, that comes down to, you know, whether it's heavy metals, um, you know, using the type of tap water um, within your home grow. Um, you know, if you're just using the Chicago tap water, I know we're not Flint, Michigan, but at the end of the day, like it's probably yeah. not the cleanest. You, you probably want to make sure it's filtered. You probably want to make sure that you're using pure type of water on your plants. But I've heard that come up time and time again. If somebody's like, oh yeah, just, you know, I, I water it using, you know, the, just sink water, um, just our normal tap water. And yeah. Well, depending you know, on you, your town, uh, you know, it could be, like you say, metals, chlorine, uh, or mm -hmm. what sometimes use chloramine, which is harder to, do you actually have to, uh, pure, you have to do a purification process to get out. Cause it's pretty, I don't know. It's, it's stronger than it doesn't evaporate like uh, chlorine does fluoride, mm -hmm. um, yep. is in the water. Fluoride. You know? So, yep. Yeah. Yep. And then you've got, you know, on, on the flip side of it too, just not the heavy metal side of things, but You've also got contamination, like micro contamination, um, you know, whether it's, you know, moldy type of products or um, just having bad air quality within your apartment or, you know, it's you're dealing with, you know, small, small apartments within Illinois um, or small spaces, I guess, that are, are kind of being grown in and it doesn't have the best ventilation and, and air quality. And I think that can have an impact where. Um, you know, some of these grows, they just don't, you don't see it on your plant. So you don't think that it's there. Yeah. Um, but that's could be, you know, if you do end up, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been there, but you know, after you've maybe smoked a bowl or something like that, and you've gotten a headache afterwards, I'm kind of yeah. like the, the inverse effect of what you were hoping for. Um, you know, that was probably because there was moldy type of product. Um, there was mold within that frag that you couldn't visibly see. Um, but it was on there and you ended up in, in, inhaling it and caused you, whether it was nausea or a headache or um, something like that. Um, it, it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, these various types of growers. I mean, we've seen some phenomenal, phenomenal plants come through. Um, I mean, there's, I, I don't want to name drop her, but there's one girl that she sent in a, a, a strain and, uh, she ended up, it was like, it was over 30%. It was about 30 or 31% um, wow. THCA. Um, and it was just, it, it smelled fantastic. I think the terpene profile was incredible. Um, and, and she just had, she's got some serious talent um, from that perspective. Yeah. 
So I want I will I want to get into something that may confuse people with the labels, uh, you know, in a little bit. But why don't we talk about what your you know COAs can offer? And I mean, you kind of went into it at the beginning when you were talking about testing for mycotoxins and everything else. But why don't we get into like the idea that you guys show the terpene profile, for example? And yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I really, really appreciate you bringing this up. I'm going to do some maybe cross promotional plugging here on my end, but, um, I'm actually, um, presenting a understanding a certificate of analysis or understanding a COA, um, at a webinar, um, on March 9th that is hosted, um, by Illinois normal, um, as well as co co-hosted and presented by, uh, the, um, hemp Midwest hemp coalition. I'm sorry, I drew a blank nice. there. Um, so um, we're all presenting kind of a, a understanding a certificate of analysis or understanding a COA to get that full kind of perspective on you know what your strain profile looks like from a cannabinoids perspective all the way down to you know how much terpenes are in there, um, you know what that scent, what that smell is, and, and what that taste of that that strain is going to be. That's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, we know somebody that has been growing since like the inception of normal. And uh, I know that their dream is to uh, test their cannabis. They've, they've always wanted to know like, you know, what, what does my stuff come out to, you know, cause you, you hear about it. And I mean, people always say, and we've gotten into it in the podcast, how it's, it's pretty much, you know, bullshit, but um, how, you know, cannabis is so much more potent than it has ever been before. That, that, that's what they always say. They've been saying that though, since like the seventies and sixties, like, Oh, this, this isn't your grandma's marijuana. That's what they always say. And I'm like, well, is it my grandpa's <laughs> marijuana? Does he have like less potent marijuana? Does grandma just like not fucking around? Like what? what? I don't know. Anyways though. Uh, yeah. So um, his dream has always been to get his, get his weed tested. So I just, I want, I'm glad we could, I'm glad that you guys offer that service and we could talk about it because um, it's just so cool for so many people. So I, 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 that's, I wanted to bring you back on to make more people aware of that. Yeah. And well, it's a huge, it's a huge channel too. Sorry to cut you off, Justine. It's a yeah. huge channel for, um, you know, people who are looking to get into the industry as well. Um, so it's a huge opportunity in order to like, you can always go and say, Hey, I've, I've been growing or I've got this, this educational background in horticulture or whatever it is. Um, but a lot of these to get into a such a close knit industry, you kind of have a, have to have a proof of concept and being able to have a, a testing lab that, that can provide you with those test results. It can only help your case. I, I know we come across constantly on our end. Um, you know, it's probably on a weekly basis of somebody that's like, yeah, this is my dream. Um, you know, I'd love to, you know, make this a full-time job of, of just growing cannabis and, growing these strains and helping people and um, kind of going down that pathway. And, um, you know, just having that, um, you know, open line of communication and the opportunity for them to be able to test and, and get those test results back. Um, it's, it's a nice opportunity for us. Yeah, absolutely. And what is kind of the typical turnaround time for people? So say we, we brought you some of our home grow, how long would we be waiting before we got the results? Yeah, so typically what home growers, um, it, it's about three to five business days, depending on what tests you're, you're looking to get done. Um, if it's just, you know, the potency and terpenes, it's about closer to that three business day turnaround time. 
Um, if you're looking for, you know, like a full panel or, or something with that microbials or the heavy metals, um, it might be, uh, you know, that closer to that four or five business day turnaround time. That's not bad. I mean, that's a lot better than waiting one to three months to hear back, but I'm sure as you guys get busier, that, that might become the case. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. I, uh, I wish I could, I wish we had lab equipment like that so that we could just run our strains through. That's <laughs> true. I like, I think it's cool though, that you guys do what you do because you're not only telling people how potent the product is, but you know, if you get that, if you get the terpene read out what that taste or smell is and, and overall, I like that you're telling people like is what you're smoking. Like, obviously if you're smoking something, it's, you know, maybe we should be vaporizing or maybe we should be doing edibles. That's arguably healthier, but is what you're consuming. How about that? You know, healthy is the, is it free of metals? Is it free of toxins and mold and everything else? So. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the, the craziest things right now that we continuously see that's coming through our lab, not to get too off topic, but is the Delta eight um, that yeah. that's being sold I actually wanted to there. ask you about that. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah, it has been, uh, you know, it's been really interesting kind of. So what we've been doing is, you know, obviously customers have been coming up more and more with this. And what we've been seeing is the concentrates of Delta 8, um, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the testing labs that they're using aren't using um, the correct, you know, methods to essentially run those tests and be able to analyze them and calculate those two analytes, the Delta 9 and Delta 8 correctly. Um, because what we're seeing is um, basically for all the concentrates and vape products that are out there on the shelves. Um, so like the oils and, and highly concentrated products, they're coming in well, well, well over the 0.3% THC <laughs> threshold. Um, I mean, we're talking about in some instances, 10% of Delta nine is in these vape cartridges that you can get, you know, at a convenience store down the street or the smoke shop, yeah. You know, right down, right at the corner. Um, so when people say they're getting high off Delta eight, they're not lying. No, they're not lying <laughs> at all. And that's what's even more alarming is, so that should be illegal just in its own right. But then you've got the infused products um, of that, that, you know, they have about, you know, 30 milligrams of Delta eight and then about five to seven milligrams of Delta nine in there, which is basically a, a cannabis edible like that's yeah. about the normal dosaging that you'll see here within the state of illinois it's you know closer to probably about 10 milligrams but um you know it's right around there and that's what i, I think is very concerning from that side of things just from the delta eight side we were taking um you know we took a product right off of the shelves and we ran it through um for residual solvents for heavy metals for some of these other um analytes that could pop up on there and what we saw was, you know, it failed for, for hexane. It failed for, um, it, it had some traces of heavy metals in there. Um, so, you know, it's something that, especially after the whole vape gate situation that happened, you know, two years ago or a year and a half ago, we would have thought, you know, all of these companies would have cleaned up their act at this point. We'd be testing for this stuff and would be making sure that it's, you know, all of their products are, are you know, completely safe. And what we're noticing is that's not the case whatsoever. So um, if there is one message I can try to get across to, to the listeners of this podcast are, you know, just be very, very conscious of, um, you know, specifically the, the Delta 8 products. 
um, out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like you have said on the last podcast, if you can't get your hands on a reliable COA and, uh, you know, by that, we mean, you know, we want to make sure that lab is accredited and, uh, they've got, you know, uh, I, I've, you could say it better than I am, uh, than I could. Um, but basically that they've got standardized procedures and methods and that they're not doing what you're saying, which is like, not only are they off on, um, percentages with regard to Delta eight, Delta nine, but like, they aren't testing for any heavy metals or anything like that. You like, so it's like, we learn nothing through, you know, quote unquote vape gate, you know? Yep. Yep. And it's unfortunate that just from a federal level, from a safety, from a consumer safety perspective, it's, you know, they just, they're required just to test to make sure that it's below the, the, you know, the Delta nine threshold, um, which is kind of odd to me when, you know, thinking about it from like a high level perspective, it's, it's being basically manufactured, or grown in harsher conditions because a lot of hemp is grown outdoors versus indoors. So it's grown in harsher conditions, but for all intensive purposes, it's basically grown the same exact way or manufactured the same exact way. And then it's definitely consumed the same exact way. How are there two wildly different um, sets of standards and regulations that, that they're going off of? Yeah, that's pretty wild. I've never really thought of it that way. So well said, man. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. So just definitely, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it, you touched on it. Um, just making sure that, you know, you're kind of looking and, and seeing what products, um, seeing, you know, the results and the tests that are being run on the type of products that you guys are, are purchasing and consuming. Yeah. So Justine, anything? No. Okay. So, um, uh, my next question was I've noticed, um, on, you know, social media and wherever people post their pictures of their products um, that sometimes the numbers don't always add up. And I mean, I always go on this one rant about people that listen to the podcast are familiar with it. Like, I think it's kind of stupid that we only list four numbers um, on it. And basically people really only care about one number, which is THC. And one of our guests once said like, you don't go to the liquor store and look for the highest alcohol percentage, you know, like, you know what kind of drink you like and everything else. But so that's a different, slightly different topic. Uh, that's on kind of the consumer side. But um, yeah, can I ask you why don't some of the, like when they list the four, why don't some of them add up? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. We, uh, you know, we've definitely seen that here in the market as well. Um, so the four that, that the state of Illinois um, or their system BioTrack requires you to put in um, it's just THC, THCA, CBD, and CBDA. And then it asks you for a total. Um, so depending on, you know, what set of cannabinoids you're, you're testing for, um, the, the standard set, which majority of the labs are going off of, is a set of 11. Um, so all the main major 11 cannabinoids that, that you normally typically will see, um, that's what the total of those numbers, what we'll find in that total cannabinoids. But what you also see is, some people have started, you know, kind of tacking on some additional ancillary um, cannabinoids and some lists are a little bit longer. So if you get a quarter of a percent here, half a percent there, um, that really doesn't mean much. But when you start adding them up together, um, you know, you can start it's because it's not boosting the number, but it is enhancing it to some extent um, because you are looking at a little bit more. Um, yeah. 
but but that is kind of the the difference because you know we we you know kind of posed that question why can you only see those four personally we've been harping on you know there should just be a qr code that takes you to the full test results so you can see all you know 11 cannabinoids that we're analyzing everything that we're looking at in detail seeing what we test um what it came out at did it pass did it fail um, what, what the thresholds the are that's what yep. i thought was interesting that was real you know on your guys's coas you had thresholds so yep we have thresholds uh limit of quantification limit of detection and the action limits and just trying to make sure it's as clear as possible um but the the biggest part is making it easily accessible to consumers um because right now you know the dispensary should have um, you know, these COAs in hand to be able to provide them to a consumer, or at least show a consumer if they request it. Um, unfortunately, that's just, you know, that's not the case. There's a lot of logistics that has to kind of go behind that in order to make, make that happen um, more on the, the cultivation side of things. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's something we've been harping on with the state in terms of, you know, there really should be that, that QR code or, something there an RFID or something that's on the packaging that directly links to those test results. So consumers who are using this as, as medicine um, or may have a, a compromised immune system or have a disease or something like that, they need to be a hundred percent certain that there are absolutely no heavy metals in there um, even below the action limit or um, you know, absolutely no pesticides or residual solvents um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, they need to have that level of education and that level of clarity at the point of purchase. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I don't understand why, uh, sorry, I'm a little stoned that that's what happens when you start smoking <laughs> a joint in the middle of a podcast, but I, you know, just to return back to the idea of as simple of, as having a QR code on the packaging just like um it's brilliant yeah and i love that you guys offer that so um you know and i by no means by no means am i like hey we're the ones that invented this or created other sure. states have been doing this for years and, sure. and i can't remember exactly the states either or if it states plural but i know there is a state at least that yeah requires that and uh it's interesting though that that's interesting for that's a good thing for folks to know that illinois doesn't require that and that's mostly why you don't see it i mean you do see it on some packaging and i i really think it's just because people are becoming more aware of it as a concept and so the companies are trying to meet people in the middle type of thing which is great it's great but uh yeah you it'd be nice to see people not do the just the bare minimum right so anyways uh um yeah, I uh, did. You want to get into any other topics or exciting things that you guys are doing before we hop over to questions from the community? I'm I'm ready to uh, jump right in. Whatever questions the community has. Cool. Well, we've already gotten into a few, but um, so this one um, I'm gonna just redo the question because obviously I'm not asking you to badmouth anybody. We're professionals here, but they are curious without it naming any names if they've ever tested any product and found unsafe levels, uh, nasty stuff that you guys test for pesticides, mycotoxins, heavy metals, solvents, etc. Yeah. So just to give kind of you an idea, um, you know, just from a national level, you know, other States have done this level of research. 
um, and, and data collection. Illinois isn't quite there yet in terms of the transparency and some of you know the information that's being provided to the state, I think. Um, but essentially other states, you know, that it's a little bit more mature market, like for instance, microbials, um, you know, they've got about a failure rate for flower type of patches um, at about a, a anywhere from 10 to 15% um, that those batches will fail. So we come across stuff um, mainly for microbial type of failures is probably the biggest one. Um, every now and then there'll be an occasional, you know, residual solvents or something like that, that, that comes in, but um, it, it's for the most part, the biggest hurdle right now for, you know, growers within the state of Illinois is um, the yeast and mold, um, trying to make sure that you can contain, um, you know, that contamination essentially um, on those plants. That, that's been the trickiest part. And part of that issue is, is the action limit. So the action limit for yeast and mold in Illinois is a thousand. So at a thousand, if you're over that, so if you're at a thousand and one, you fail. If you're under that at 999, you pass. Um, so that's what that action limit is. It's a thousand here in Illinois for yeast and mold. In other states, more mature markets, you know, California, Oregon, Colorado, the state right next to us, Michigan, um, all of them have a yeast and mold action limit of 10,000. So 10 times higher of an action limit than what Illinois has. So Illinois is incredibly, incredibly stringent um, in terms of you know, those action limits where they're at. Uh, the next question is super easy one for you. And <laughs> they have, you won't see this, but it's got the question mark and exclamation point. They got any jobs? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you, we're always looking for good talent. Um, so seriously, we're, uh, we're, we're looking, uh, you know, to bring on some additional um, people here soon. Um, so if, you know, you, you are, have that science background, um, or you're incredibly involved in the cannabis community or want to get more involved in the community. Um, you know, just reach out to us. Um, we're, we're actively working with, um, some of the universities, community colleges here, um, to try to help create, whether it's internships or a pipeline, um, either whether it's within the cannabis industry, but specifically within the testing side of the cannabis industry. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. You know, uh, you guys know where to look the Oregolabs.com. That's probably a good place to start, right? Yep. So yep. cool. Um, this person, Oh, we kind of already answered this question. Do they handle the testing of med patient grows? I'd like to see what they come up with. Um, okay. Yeah. They, yeah. We answered that question. Oh yeah. And they asked about turnaround time. So we talked about that logistics of submitting a sample, did we go into that? Uh, somebody else must know you because they say, tell Tim, hey. Um, <laughs> so, hello. I'm just telling you, hey. Um, <laughs> you know, it's everybody's like, sure, I'll do that. Um, and then you never really do it. Like, oh, I'll tell your mom I said hi. But you never go home and be like, oh, yeah, Shelly said hi. Like, I never do that. <laughs> Who was it? Do you know, do you know the name? Uh, they, the username is Craft Cultivator. So they must be a cultivate uh, you know craft cultivator or uh you know uh, home cultivator that sends <laughs> you product for testing so well uh it was probably somebody that uh potentially maybe came by the lab and we gave a lab visit to and and you know put a name to a face so um you know i i'm glad you kind of you know they they said hi because it gives me an opportunity to you know say to 
the podcast, the Chillin' Noise uh, fans out there that, you know, if anybody is looking to, to come by the lab for a visit, um, you know, we do have an open door policy. So, um, you know, just schedule a time to, to swing on by and we'd love to, you know, introduce you to some of the teams, show you around the lab and, um, you know, give you guys a quick tour of, of everything as well. Yeah. And the Chillinois podcast is going to be um, visiting Oregon labs in the future. We're really excited about that. Thank you again for uh, helping us line that up and uh, folks stay tuned. We'll obviously post little um, snippets, images, whatever, you know, uh, that we can to try to share the experience experience as much as we can. We also want to try to live in the moment, you know, and fucking look at this shit because what science <laughs> as jesse pinkman says science bitch so let's do it um so anyways <laughs> anyways um looking forward to that thanks again um this might be a threshold question i'm not sure i should have darn it i should have asked a follow-up on this person they say uh what my question was what the amount needed to measure terpene profile and THC percentage. And I don't know if they mean sample size. I think they mean sample size. So, so they, yeah. So it was just terpenes and potency you said for that. Yeah. Yeah. So how much would they, I think the question is how much would they need to like, what is the sample size that you would need? Like two and a half grams an eighth sure. or, you know? Yeah. 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 So um, easy type of question there. Um, you know, bare minimum, we would just need a, a gram for potency and a gram for, for terpenes. Just keep it simple, one oh. gram for each. Um, you know, some of our other tests like pesticides, um, microbiological impurities, um, some of these other tests do require a little bit additional. Um, but for those two specific, um, that's the bare minimum we would need is just a gram for each. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So folks there you go if you want to send it in it doesn't sound like you really have to give much to get an idea of you know um you know what what you're working with so that's really cool um this is a question that comes in from a longtime listener of ours he writes in a lot um shout out to george he's awesome so um he asks please please ask what is the wildest results from test subjects and what was it and he's got a follow-up question which i don't know that this might be just a preference question. Who makes the best edibles in Illinois? That might just be a, you know, a preference question. Um, but uh, so um, from a just from the wildest things that we've seen, um, I mean, I've just seen it's more or less. I've just been super impressed from from the home growers. Um, yeah. It's not like as a wild or anything from that side of things, but the home growers, some of the strains and some of the genetics that they have, um, it truly is. I mean, they, they've really got some great, great products or, or great, you know, plants that they're growing. Um, that's kind of been what, what's kind of blown me away the most. Cause you, I, I start thinking of these large organizations and, you know, you think, Hey, because they have the money, they can get the best genetics or, yeah. you know, for them, I think the focus is truly around, what that yield, what can maximize that yield, what can get the most product out on the shelves yeah. um, versus some of this, the home growers that are truly into the genetics, into the, you know, what that strain profile looks like, what that, you know, yeah, terpene, the people that are singing to their plants every morning. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, that's been, you know, honestly, like one of the, the coolest things, um, you know, that I've been able to be involved with is just kind of, 
you know, seeing it and also seeing a couple different people that have just like evolved and, and grown a couple different strains. You can see, you know, just the quality from a potency perspective, from the terpenes level, how everything just kind of constantly evolves and shifts and they're fine tuning and honing in on their craft. Um, so yeah. that's been, that's been awesome to see, um, you know, who has the best edibles um, here, here within Illinois. Um, you know, I think I would, I, I'm kind of indifferent. I don't mess with edibles myself too much, uh, mainly yeah. because there's a, uh, you know, sucking it into the couch and I, I <laughs> you know, I can't move at all. Um, yeah. You got a job. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> you got to go to the lab. <laughs> exactly. I got to go to the lab and, and test these things. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I probably you don't have time the for them person. to test you. You're the, exactly. in, that, in that instance, you're the test subject. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yep, exactly. So I'd probably have to defer to you and uh, you and Justine on that one. Which one's your guys' favorite? I don't know. You know, I'm the Justine, ones we make at home. I was gonna say the ones we make <laughs> at home. That's that's the problem. I can't. Um, if George, the answer to your question, who makes the best edibles in Illinois? It's the host of the Chillinois podcast. His name's Cole. And uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, I you what know there. What type of edibles do you make? We like to make like rice krispie treats and and cereal bars and brownies. Brownies uh, all the time. Lemon bars. I was on a lemon bar um, fix okay. for a while. I haven't um, seen those come through yet. Lemon bar. All right. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, one of the things we do too is like uh, Justine actually did recently. We made um, the peanut or sorry rice krispies and then we made like a chocolate topping that was also infused so yeah, not was, only were the i made peanut butter rice crispy treats with milk chocolate on top and i put um co2 oil into the peanut butter mix and also into the chocolate that i put on top <laughs> yeah so it was uh it was quite the potent batch uh of uh you know treats i was gonna say um, double dipping on that potency i like it oh yeah, yeah. i think the mo <laughs> the craziest one i think we've made is probably like a we made a simple syrup so that you can mix into drinks mm -hmm. okay pretty All right. pretty good yeah how'd so, that turn out it was it was interesting um i i think our first batch was a little weird i liked it oh i guess um one of the things i really liked that i made because the simple syrup it was just I'm not a huge fan of simple syrup in general. So maybe, maybe that's my bias. So folks, you know, if you want to look up that recipe, it's pretty readily available, but we made a can of sugar once, which was a long uh, cannabis infused sugar, which was a long process because you have to make a tincture first and then you have to infuse that so that, infuse the tincture into the sugar yeah you basically soak the sugar in the tincture yeah and so you get it's it's uh folks if you do it you got to be careful because if you're working with a tincture it's usually alcohol based um especially that the method that that i mean it, it's most efficient alcohol is a really good care carrier of thc um, but you got to be careful, make sure your house is very well ventilated. And right now in the winter, that's obviously hard to do folks. Like, you don't want to, I mean, today's nice, but um, yeah, do be careful. But that was the, I have to try to covet things, you know, because just got to be careful with folks, you know, we don't, the thing I hate when uh, I don't want cannabis to ever be, I hate, I hated when you hear about like uh, people extracting at home, you know, and the garage blows up and it's like, this is not supposed to be like breaking <laughs> bad shit. You know, this is, 
this is just happy farmers have making happy products. But um, yeah, I think the cannabis infused sugar was probably the craziest thing we've ever done because it would, it would kick in so quickly. Um, I think not only because it was like sublingual sub sublingual, um, but because it was a drink. So think about how quickly alcohol hits you like within five minutes, sometimes 10 minutes, you know? And so, um, I, you know, we made Kool-Aid with it and I like was sweating and I had to lay down and it was, uh, it was a little bit too much for me, honestly, we made it a little bit too potent. Um, <laughs> but you know, sometimes we go hard around here. So that's probably, have you ever made edibles at home? But no, I, I haven't. Um, I have been seeing come through, though, um, our lab a lot more is the beverage side of things. The industry is kind of, it looks like it's kind of picking up and taking off a little bit from a beverage side, um, where I think drinks are, are going to start, you know, getting a little bit more mainstream in terms of, you know, infusing various types of products, getting them on the shelves. I mean, we saw what happened with, you know, Trulies and, you know, those you know, seltzer type of drinks this, this summer. I can't even imagine, you know, in a year or two years when people are infusing, you know, CBD and Delta 8 and, you know, whatever else they're putting, you know, the, these drinks, Delta 9 cannabis and stuff like that. It's going to be really interesting to see what they bring out and, and come out with. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we answered this next question already, but I just want to make sure to ask it. Can a gifts on Instagram asked, what is required to get your cannabis tested at the lab? So obviously you come in, you sign off on that paperwork. I can't remember what you called that chain of custody custody paperwork. Um, Is there anything else required? You provide mailing address, what else? Yeah. So basically um, from a testing perspective um, for any new customer, we would just need them to fill out um, our client submission form that's on our website. Um, Everything's done electronically through our website there. Um, but once you fill that out, we basically, we can get your account all set up um, and you would just, yeah, submit that chain of custody order form. Um, it's just one pager um, that you just submit with, uh, you know, your samples that you would drop off. Cool. So you just submit it. And how do you get your results? Yeah, no, no, no. Great question. Um, so we actually email you the test results as a PDF. Um, and okay. then they're also available within our customer portal. Um, that you can log in, you know, directly through our website as well. So you can review, you know, past test results. I think we house those test results for, I want to say it's 10 years um, is the trigger point that we have to essentially start deleting, you know, old data, but we're not at that point yet. And we won't be there for, you know, another nine years, (laughs) Um, you know, so um, basically for however long you need those test results, they'll be housed in the customer portal. And then they'll be, uh, you know, like I said, emailed to you as a PDF. Sweet. Sweet. That's awesome. Um, well, I, um, want to remind our folks because I feel bad for not, um, asking it right off the bat, where can we find you, uh, online? And again, folks will have this in the podcast description, um, the orgolabs.com, but what was your social media again? Yep. So for Instagram, it's um, at Origo Labs. And then for Facebook, it's at the Origo Labs. Awesome. Cool. So um, I think we're about to spark up um, some more homegrown marijuana. We've been, you know, homegrown cannabis. We've been smoking, you know, this whole time. We're big home growers. We've got our next um, crop 
going in. Um, as we close the show, tell us about some of the, you've talked about some of the important things that people don't think about um, air quality, water quality. Um, but I recall last time, you know, soil quality, that's a big thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we've heard, we've heard of uh, the horror stories. I think I mentioned last time we were on, somebody was using a uh, miracle grow. Um, yes. I was hoping you'd bring that up. Yes. Yeah. Do not use miracle grow. <laughs> yeah. Please, please, please do not use miracle grow. Um, there are a lot of harmful fertilizers um, in that um, that are not good for your plants. So please, please, please do not use miracle grow. <laughs> yeah. Not only not good for your plant, but probably not good for you. You know, if it's Correct. not good for your plant, it probably is not good for you. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, you know, uh, Delta eight, I guess I want to, cause I did want to ask you about this. Um, I had a few questions que- queued up. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, what is your perspective on Delta eight? Can I ask you that? Because I am a little bit confused. Uh, it's not prominent nat like, I don't mean to, s- okay. It's not abundant in cannabis. Uh, in a lot of strains, at least that we see right now. Um, so what I, what I, under, from what I understand, they extract it like basically from hemp plants, it's CBD and somehow they like make it into Delta eight or something like that. And like, I, I don't know, I just don't understand it. So do you have any perspective on that? So my, my biggest perspective is just from what we've been seeing um, in terms of the, the genetics Um you know, it's just basically a double bond that is just, you know, one off from where the Delta nine is, um, from like a chemical composition standpoint. Um, you know, basically, you know, what we've seen is from a concentrates from that, you know, essentially the vaping side of Delta eight in all intensive purposes, it should just be called cannabis. Um, cause it does have that seven, eight, 9% level of, of Delta nine in there. Um, you know, especially for the infused product side as well, kind of the same concept. Um, it's just one of those things that personally, I I think it's the market was ahead of the curve in terms of how labs could properly test and analyze for it. And so they were able to kind of, for lack of better terms, pull one over on the, on the industry and get their products out on the shelves. And now that it's already out there, you know, you kind of already opened up Pandora's box. Yeah. And now they're trying to reel it in and try to figure out, all right, how do we, how can we regulate this um, now that it's already fully out there? And um, I think you're going to see something very similar in terms of Delta 10 um, that's going to come out. I, I think here, you know, that's probably going to be that next wave of, of can- cannabinoids that gets you know rolled out. But that is something that's popping up a little bit more on more on, uh, you know, our end and in conversation as well with customers. Gotcha. So this is a, you know, this is a question I could probably Google myself, but you know, I got the, I got somebody on the phone that, that talks, that uses these instruments. So like, what else can you test with those instruments? You mentioned you can do the COVID-19 test. Is that correct? Yep, technically yep. speaking. So, yeah. So we could do, you know, technically speaking, those instruments, you know, this instrumentation, especially for, you know, the gas chromatography and liquid chromatography those instruments and they're used across, you know, basically any type of industry, whether it's, you know, food testing, 
cosmetics and beauty type of testing, um, you know, anything along those lines, the, these instruments are, are used um, for, you know, whatever it is for the pesticides, residual solvents, some of this other stuff, um, heavy metals, all that stuff. They're used across, you know, various types of industries and pharma, um, you know, medical, all that stuff. Cool. Um, you know, the QPCR, like you mentioned before, that's used for, um, you know, COVID testing as well. Um, so yeah, we, it's definitely the instrumentation is used kind of across, you know, it's a, it's a broad net that, that kind of gets thrown out there in terms of, you know, who uses these instruments and, um, you know, what industry uses them. Right. So when you say, I can't remember how many you cannabinoids you test for, how many do you test for? So we do 11. 11. Okay. Um, now when you say let 11 and I'm sorry if this is like, uh, just a limitation of the hardware, I'm just curious because I've heard that there's like 120 known cannabinoids. And so, um, I didn't know, like, is that just a limitation of that hardware or, um, is it just because those are what, like why 11? Yeah. So there's, um, basically those are the 11 that have the research, and um you know standards that have been validated um behind them so that's you know what has the most confidence level um so like i mentioned delta 10 that's something that's new that's just recently kind of got discovered that's kind of being incorporated so people don't necessarily know on how to analyze that properly yeah that was kind of the whole initiative with the delta 8 yeah that's really where my question was like that's i wondered because i like you're testing these samples and mm-hmm. um, like, you know, I'm sure there are more than 120 cannabinoids. Like we've known, we've, you know, we've been figuring out more. So is it, it was what it is, is like these, you know, these new things come to light via scientific, scientific revelations and people say, okay, there's whatever you say, Delta 10. Mm-hmm. What was it that? Yeah. Delta yeah, 10. So- and now you can look at these lab reports and distinguish, ah, this is Delta 10. Is yeah. So, how we that would works? Be able, so like, for instance, we had a customer that brought in a product and that essentially that happened was we saw a peak that we couldn't really, we, it wasn't any of the 11 that we analyzed. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was something, it was, a, it was one of those additional cannabinoids that, that we don't analyze that it did have something in there of that, um, you know, to get to that additional set of, of whatever it is, I don't think we'll ever be at that hundred or 120, that full, you know, ecosystem of, of cannabinoids. I don't think we'll ever get there from a testing level, but, um, you know, I've seen lists, I think as high as, um, like 20 or 21 um, cannabinoids that a, a lab is testing for. Um, the problem is, is once you start getting into some of those, um, you know, less common ones, the accuracy level on those and the defensibility on being able to defend your, your test results for it, that confidence level decreases pretty significantly yeah. as you start bringing on the ones that don't have the level of research or, don't have a full breadth of, you know, standards that are out there that you can kind of bounce things off of um, to make sure that it's accurate and, and correct. Interesting. Interesting. That's the, I, I am learning things. That's <laughs> what I like about this. Uh, I get high and I learn things. So this is a good gig. 
Um, so, um, Justine, you got anything? You just chilling? Just high? I always get Justine. The the routine, I bring Justine on. I get her really high. And then <laughs> and then we just, yeah, chill. Yeah. What, uh, what strain are you guys smoking on? Sh- Sherbert cookies. So okay. it's actually uh, a clone that uh, was, um, yeah, that we had taken and basically um, it came out wonderful. It's really good. It's very, very potent. It's probably my favorite strain I'm running with right now. We also tried an autoflower for the first time. Did not enjoy that process. I did not connect with that plant. And I feel like that plant brought a lot of bad vibes into this household and you know, a lot of the plant brought a lot of conflict, you know, into the, just the general ecosystem. And I was so glad to cut down that plant. It, it smokes. Okay. And I'm joking folks, obviously I'm just trying to be funny. Um, but, uh, it, I just didn't like, so like when I flew, when I, cause I had the Sherbert cookies and I think I may know what I did wrong with the auto flowers in retrospect, um, but when I flipped the sherbet cookies to flour, I knew that it was going into flour because I changed the light cycle and it's a photo period clone or plant. And so I knew I was very well aware. And so I can adjust my nutrient schedule accordingly, right? Depending on what signs it's exhibiting. And with all technicalities that the same remains with auto flowers. I mean, you can read the plant. Um, and so that's where I'm starting. Maybe I'm just trying to give myself room for error, (laughs) but, um, I really think what happened was I've done a lot of research and people actually grow their auto flowers on 18 to six. It seems, seems like auto flowers like that, which is a vegetative schedule. And so I flipped it to flower. It needed a lot of energy. And so the buds came out good. I just, the way I tell people, I said, yeah, it smokes good. And you know, the effects are good, but you can just tell it just lacks the love because I did not love, I just didn't love that plant. You know, the way I love the, the sherbet cookies, you smoke it and you can, it, that's, that's the extra thing in there. If I sent you, if, if I sent you uh, the sample, Tim, an, a reading would come up and be like, what the fuck is that? And you guys would look into it be like that. It's love. It's love. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I think yeah. that's going to be the next service we, uh, we add on into our, uh, our COAs. Just, you know, how much love did, uh, did uh, <laughs> you, you give this plant? So um, it'll be a little bit more subjective, but uh, I'll make sure we add that. Yeah. It'll come with a survey. How often did you sing to it? What did you sing to it? You know, I mean, they have the technology where you can stick little things down into the soil and it like, emits some sort of radio frequency that makes sound waves from plants i've seen it it was on reddit so oh no that was fake i saw that that was fake i'm sure that was fake yeah (laughs) yeah that was definitely fake but uh um if it was real folks email us about it i don't know chillinoy.net slash contact um you can get a hold of us so um but anyways um yeah that was (laughs) that's funny yeah we'll have the love uh readout on the new coa for the oreo lab so (laughs) Tim, I want to thank you for setting aside time um, on this beautiful Saturday afternoon um, to talk to us about um, what you guys do, um, not only for you know small and medium-sized businesses and the CBD, cannabis, and hemp industry, um, but what you do for home growers here in the state of Illinois. Um, I really think that's awesome. So for the third time, if you could remind folks if they're interested, 
where they can go online to find you. No, Sorry, absolutely. You can uh, find us at uh, theorgolabs.com. Um, our Instagram handle is at Labs and Facebook it's at theorgolabs. Um, you know, just want to thank you again, um, Cole and Justine for, for having me on here. Um, it's always, you know, a pleasure just, you know, kind of chatting with you guys, shooting the shit. Um, you know, if anything, uh, you know, we're, we're here for the industry, for, for your listeners. We appreciate everybody who listens as well and, and found this, uh, you know, podcast, um, enjoyable. And if you do have any questions or anything like that, just, you know, don't be strangers. Um, we're heavily involved within the industry. We know how passionate these people are. Um, so if you do have any questions or, um, you know, just want to talk, talk shop, um, you know, don't hesitate just to reach out to us. Absolutely. And folks stay tuned. We're going to be taking a field trip to Oregon labs. Um, and we will share our experience as best as we can. Um, not only on the podcast, but we hope to, you know, maybe share some things on social media. So we'll, we'll tell you about it when it happens. So, Thank you, Tim. Um, Have a great Saturday and uh, cheers. Yeah, thanks for teaching us. Absolutely. You as well. Happy Saturday. All right. 